Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. You are fortunate you're in the second service because the first service, I just couldn't stop crying. So the second service, I brought this up here just to hit myself hard so I won't cry. But uh, this morning I woke up early before daybreak. (laughs) Doesn't help. (laughs) I woke up and my first thoughts were, I didn't know they were doing that song. I was just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. His love, when I didn't deserve it. His mercy, when I really deserved judgment. His grace that was always, always in my life even in those seasons when I ran from God. He was right there all the time, just waiting. Mercy being extended. Grace just overwhelming me. His goodness. I can't imagine where I would be today had not that moment in August 1965 in a little Nazarene church when I heard the gospel preached and I realized I was a young boy in great need of a big God. And I remember running down the aisle to the altar and falling on my face and crying out because I in that moment knew I needed a savior. I knew my mama couldn't save me My daddy couldn't. My Nazarene preacher couldn't. Only what Jesus did on the cross. When I deserved hell, he he went to hell for me and for you. He hung on that tree when he could have called 10,000 angels and said, enough is enough. God, there's got to be another way. He stayed there. And history tells us and the word tells us that every drop of blood in Christ's body drained out on that cross so that you and I who deserve death got heaven instead. Deserved judgment, but got forgiveness. When we didn't deserve it, he reached out in his mercy and said, I love you this much and he stayed on a tree. So that I can not only one day go to heaven, which can I tell you one day, I live for the audience of one to hear, well done thou good and faithful. Come on, I got a place for you. I live for that day, but, but I wanna tell you, I am thankful for heaven, but I'm really glad that God had a purpose for my life here on the earth. And for your life here on the earth, God has a plan, a future, a hope. He's got something significant I don't care how young you are, as we saw on this stage, all these incredible babies. 
32 years ago, my wife and I drove into this city with our three sons. Matter of fact, if Suzanne and I were standing on the stage today and Nathan, Andrew, and Luke were standing down on the floor in front of us, that's what it looked like 32 years ago. That's about how tall they would have been about to our waist. We came here with one thing, with a word. God says, I'm gonna have a people that are not a people. I'm gonna build a house that's not a house. I'm gonna bring people from the north, the south, the east and the west, from Europe, from China, from South America to Canada. And I'm gonna make me a family. And today what you've seen, what you've experienced on this stage is the goodness of God. We were a people that were not. We were the solitary out in the world looking for somebody to belong to. And God picked us up out of Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, out of Honduras and Peru, out of China, out of Russia, out of Africa. And we boarded planes and ships and automobiles. I think I'm gonna make a movie. And we ended up in Gainesville a people that were not. And we came and became this amazing family. Suzanne and I are honored today, 32 years. Sometimes it's overwhelming to me. I, I wake up and realize the significance of not quitting when, when I wanted to quit. Not giving up at times when we were discouraged and wondering, always, with the gracious, merciful arms of God wrapped around us, saying, I got this. If you'll not quit, I've got this. Today, we stand here thankful that we are not done. This is not a baton today that I am passing on. It's a baton. And there might be a few people that want it, but there ain't nobody getting it today. <laughs> Don't know if it'll be another 32 years or 20 or 10, but I know when it's time for me to step off this stage and be the biggest cheerleader of all in the front row, yelling amen to the next generation of leaders that are gonna be raised up in this house. The time will be right and we'll all know it. But today, we really are passing the baton from generation to generation to generation. A people that were not all of a sudden become the people of God. And he meets she and together they get together and I declare blessing over them. They're married and the next thing you know, we're popping out children left and right. In one period of the Rock of Gainesville, about 15 years ago, in an 18 month period, I married 41 couples that all pretty much came out of Rock UF and the college ministry. Young people that got a hold of a revelation of purity, heard the word of the Lord. Many of them kissed for the first time at the altar in front of their family, committed to making marriage work, answering the call of God, realizing whom God had joined them together. 
And out of that, over the next couple years, in just one two and a half year period, we gave birth to about 105 babies. In that order, God brought them together, <laughs> marriage, and children. And today, maybe it didn't affect you the same way it affected me, but as I looked up here on the stage at all these children that were not products of parents that are not perfect, don't have perfect marriages, but we serve a perfect God. A perfect God that knows how to love us in a perfect way to help us, to heal us, to restore us, to redeem us, to revive us, to help us in the midst of a crazy world when people are quitting on everything, quitting on God, quitting on marriage, quitting on family. Come on, somebody. We ain't got no quit in us. We're not taking out the white flags and waving them and going, I'm done. No, no, no. We're saying, I don't care how hard it is. God's got this. God's got us. God's got me. God's got my children so that we can raise up a generation that, that, that without fear or trembling or shame, we can say to the next generation, God has a purpose and a plan, a future and a hope for your life. Every child in here, hear me this morning as your pastors, I tell you, you're not an accident or a mistake. God created you for such a time as this to impact this world that we're living in. Not to go to church and be religious. I don't know about you, but I don't really care for religion. But I love a personal relationship with a living God who looked down on me in my mother's womb and said, I know you. Yes. Looked down as a, as, a, as a baby being formed in his mother's womb and said, I'm going to give you my DNA and I'm going to tattoo you on your heart with my love. Yes. And if you'll love me back, you'll get to stand back in amazement and see what I can do with you and through you, and for you. If you'll just love God, first and foremost. Hear me, hear me this morning. Hear me, you young people. God loves you more than you could ever imagine or dream or even think about. And when the world is trying to sell you a bill of goods of lies, run from it and run to God. Amen. Run to God. Run to the altar of the Lord and cry out, God, I need you. I want you. I want a fresh burning, a fresh stirring, a fresh fire in my heart because I got something yet to do with my life. We have something left to do with our lives. So at this day, the completion of 32 years of ministry for Suzanne and I and a celebration of our church, we are today beginning our 33rd year thought a lot about that over the last couple days. Jesus lived for 30 years, being obedient to his father and his mother, building houses, using a hammer, making ugly things beautiful, and making amazing things out of nothing except God's creation. And at 30, the father said, it's time. Jesus said to his mother when she came saying, son, they have need of you here at the wedding. And he said, no, 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 it's not my time yet. Mama must have known something Jesus didn't know. Because mama just turned to those that were attending the wedding and said, whatever he says, just do it. 
And Jesus goes, bring me some water. And he made the finest wine ever made. And then he was driven into the wilderness. Three years, Jesus went about doing good. Today, many of us have three times that many years that God has numbered for us. But it's all to be about the Father's business. And can I tell you this morning, I don't want to waste another day of my life at 62 doing anything that has no eternal value to it. See, whether you're working, making money, building a business, walking out your career, whatever you're doing, we're doing it as unto God. Because in the midst of it, who knows but how God can use you to touch someone's life. Because your life is not your own. We are his children, his disciples, and we're about his business. So this morning, I want to share with you a few thoughts. Yesterday, I was up here at the office and I walked by Matthew's office and he was, he's our graphics guy and I said, Matthew, I know it's late, it's Saturday, and everything's all ready for tomorrow. And, and I, I didn't know everything that was going on. I didn't know songs that were sung. I didn't know the video that had been done. And so I said, Matthew, I was just thinking, you know, we're wrapping up the summer series, the summer camp series, and, and I'm supposed to be, you know, Suzanne and I around the campfire. And, and I said, I, th I think it'd be pretty cool if we could maybe do a, a picture or a video or something of a campfire scene. And, and Matthew looks up and said, Pastor Dunn. I said, what, what do you mean done? He said, it's done. I said, okay, whatever that means, it's done. I'm going I'm to get a campfire before I preach. So, you know, I was, in visual, I was visualizing right now as I started the campfire to be up there, but I didn't know they, they'd already made a video that some families had gotten together. And, and uh, man, many of y'all thought they were way out in the country, maybe sitting by a beautiful lake and it was cool out. No, it was 90 something degrees and it was in my backyard. I found that out <laughs> when I got home and said, somebody built a campfire in my yard. Big, huge circle. Oops. <laughs> Failed to mention that to Pastor when they said, can we cut a video, just a quick little family video at the house? Yeah, sure. I came home, and a few days later, I see this big circle of ashes. It's like, Lord, you've been meeting with somebody and failed to invite me? <laughs> I would have loved to have been there, but... So, you know, I look at this idea of a campfire, and, and I don't know about you, but I love a campfire. I love to be out by the lake. I love it when there's a chill in the air. I'm not really into 90 degrees, sweating for Jesus, sitting around campfire and, and, and roasting marshmallows. No, don't invite me, okay? But when the air is cool, hear me, and the bugs have all gone to hell. Okay, how many of you are with me on that? All the bugs are gone. I mean, they're out of here. The flies, the, the mosquitoes, the no see the all see the everything, they're just not there. It's cool out in a campfire. There is something about the crackle of wood burning. I burn about two cords of wood a year in my fireplace. Yep, you're right. I live in Florida, and if it's below 60 degrees, 59, air condition goes up, windows are open, fire in the fireplace. Because there's nothing like coming home at night and just lighting that thing up and hearing the crackle and the pop. I can sit by the hours, look into a fire and listen and hear, hear the voice of God. 
And so as, as I think about that for a moment this morning, I, 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 the, the idea of around the campfire is, you know, maybe you got a guitar, maybe you sing Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya, and you get through all your Kumbaya singing praises to Jesus, and all of a sudden it starts getting quiet. And then you get down to business, the business of talking, the business of communicating, the business of looking across the crackling of the fire into the eyes of your friends, maybe your family, your loved ones. And you talk about things that have eternal value. You want to you, you wanna be stirred a little bit. It's not time for ghost stories and scare the out of kids, but the time of just reflecting. And this morning, in a sense, as we wrap this series up and celebrate our 32nd anniversary, I want to talk to you. And I'm okay if you just kind of visualize we're sitting around the campfire. I might be a little preachy. I might be a little teachy. I might even cry a little bit more because that's what I do. I, I, I'm just, I'm tired of repenting for crying. It just, just is in there. But I want to talk to you about a few things about our yesterday. I want to talk a little bit about our tomorrow. But I want to reflect on what God has called us to do today. And I want to encourage us and stir us and challenge us. Even as we're sitting around this campfire, I want to challenge us to know the heart of God about the thing that matters most to God. I, I, I was asking Holy Spirit a few months ago, what can I talk about 31 anniversaries we've had that have come and gone? This is the 32nd one. What, what can I talk about that has eternal significance? And, and Holy Spirit said, why don't you just talk about what matters most to God? And it's not all about us getting more, name it, claim it, frame it, getting our faith talk right, getting our word right, getting our confession right. All of that is, is important in and of itself, but the thing that's lacking most in, in the church in America today is the thing that I really truly believe is the very heart of God. But it requires more than us going, whoo, good preaching pastor. Awesome, that was great. And by the time we get to the restaurant, we don't remember what pastor said. Great stories, great scripture. But did it impact my life? Is it, is it, a, is it causing me to want to change? Is it causing me to want to say, God, what's most important to you? I want to spend the rest of my life doing and being and living in that which matters most to you. So let me start with this. Proverbs chapter 29, many of you know it is the great vision verse. And I want to read it out of two different versions of the Bible. First of all, out of the message and then out of the Amplified. And it says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Hallelujah. If I'm not crying, I'm spilling water all over the place. There we go. In the Amplified, it says this, where there is no vision or no revelation of God in his word, people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. So for just a few moments this morning, I want to encourage us. We need a vision from God. We need the vision of God. We need to know what God's plan is for our life individually, what his plan for our life is corporately, what the body of Christ is to be all about. And then we're to spend time in small groups stirring one another, hear me, to do good works of God. Yeah. 
We're to stir one another out of apathy. We're to stir one. See, I can only preach to you for 35 or 40 minutes or 45. (laughs) And most of you are staring at the back of someone's head as you try to look over their head into my eyes. And I can only share, but there's no sharing back. I can only stir, but there's no stirring back. As great as this is and as important as this is, we got to be together in small groups. Because you see, it's in small groups where you're sitting around a table with a group of young men, or you're sitting around the table with your girlfriends, or you're sitting around the table with, with maybe a few older couples. I'm in four connect groups, and, and one of my connects, connect groups, uh, Suzanne and I, uh, um, I'm the youngest in our whole connect group, and I'm just so proud of that. <laughs> now, Suzanne's in that group, and Oscar and Vicky are in that group, and, and uh, there's a few other people uh, in that group. And, and uh, we had the best time, but I always like to just remind them when we're together now, who's the elder among us so I can just give respect? And, and then who, who's the youngest in the group? Is anybody younger than 62? I just need that for me, you know. It just feels good to be with some elder brothers and sisters. But, but uh, we're together, and, and, and there's encouragement, and there's stirring, and, and there's times in my groups with uh, the groups that I'm in with men that we're sitting around the table, and I'm stirring them with a question, and I'm waiting for their response because when they begin to open up and out of the honesty and sincerity of their heart, it's amazing, hear me, what will come out of your mouth when the Spirit of, uh, of God gets on you, and all of a sudden, in the middle of a group, you find yourself confessing that you're not really walking this thing out. Not the way pastor wants you to do it or your connect group leader wants you to do it or your spouse wants you to do it, but, but you've not really been doing everything that Jesus wants you to do. And see, in that setting where there's room for other brothers to go, hey, I hear you. I'm right there with you. Man, I, I, I wish I did this better than I'm doing this. I, you know, man, I, I've been walking with God a long time. I've, I still find myself in failure in this area of my life. Because see, some folks walk into a house like this and they think all of y'all are perfect. Now, I know you're not, but I don't tell them that. I just tell them that the Jesus we serve is perfect. And he's a good God and he's a loving God. He's a gracious God. And he's a merciful God. And he wants to show himself mighty on our behalf. So, We need one another to stir each other for works of righteousness. Why? Because in a moment, I'm going to get to that thing that matters most to God. But before I do, I want to just share a couple things about our past. See, 32 years ago, Suzanne, I moved to this city and in moving to this city to do something that we had never done before. Never had we ever met anybody that was, had done what we were about to do. We never heard this in Bible college. We never had a class on this. I never found, uh, you know, somebody else that had gone before me to do this. All of a sudden, we're, we're, we're at the, the beginning of this new thing that God's doing across America. And he was bringing many young men out of... Uh, Uh, mainline denominations where they were just wanting to find God, find a father, and then do something with their life. And as a young man, I found a spiritual daddy, a father, a man of God who began to believe in me, pour into my life, mentor me, teach me, help me. And, and then one day I said, Pastor, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but, but I'm feeling like Holy Spirit's telling me that, that Suzanne and I and our boys are supposed to go somewhere and start a church from scratch. Pastor, just tell me that's a crazy idea. 
And he said, that is an awesome idea. Holy Spirit's been telling me the same thing. And I said, well, then good. You know how to do it, right? He said, no, no, I've never done that. Well, you, you, heard, you had it in some Bible colleges, right? Oh, no, no, no. Did you, he asked me, did, did you have it in any Bible college? No, 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 I didn't have it either. I said, well, so, so how am I going to do this thing that you're calling me to do when no one else I know has ever done it? I don't know how to do what I don't know. And I found out I didn't know a lot about what I didn't know. Do you understand that? I didn't know hardly anything. Except I was 30 years old, I loved my wife, I loved my children, and I wanted to do the will of God. And Holy Spirit said one day, Gainesville. And in saying that word, something came alive in my spirit. God took us through uh, really finding him in a deeper level, finding freedom in our lives. I, I grew up a couple of years of my life in this city, hated Gainesville. I, at one point, I actually said, God, I'll go anywhere in the world and serve, your serve you and preach your gospel anywhere but Gainesville. Lord, I really don't even care if those people go to hell or not. I was kind of like Jonah. And, and he said, do you like fish? You'll get that later. I said, no, Lord, I really don't want to spend three days in the belly of a fish. He said, then let me heal your heart. And so I don't have time to tell that story except I said, God, heal me. And through a process of five visits to this city, God began to take me back, heal my heart, redeem me, restore, and put literally a love for me that on that fifth trip here, all of a sudden, as soon as I sat in that place and surrendered that pain and that agony and that hurt and, and that, that, ch that family relationships and, and brothers and sisters with, with uh, unwanted pregnancies and abortions and my parents divorcing again and, and my family all breaking up in the midst of all of that, God healed me so completely that he supernaturally put a love in my heart for the city of Gainesville. And the minute he did, I could not get back to Panama City fast enough to pack up my family. And when I was asked why, you know what came out of my mouth? It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Home. We didn't have anybody here. We didn't have a house here. We didn't have a place here, but we had the word of the Lord. And God said, if you'll go he said, I'll make, a, I'll, I'll make a place. I'll bring people from the north, south, east, and west. I'll bring them from everywhere, and I will reveal my love, and I will make the solitary up, be uprooted from where they are, and I'm going to plant them in a place, and it's going to become your family. Red, yellow, black, and white. Forty-plus nations of people represented in the body here at the Rock of Gainesville that came from the south, from the north, from the east, and from the west. And in the midst of our coming, Holy Spirit said th three very simple things, uh, uh, and they came out of three words, preach, obey, and pray. First, Holy Spirit said, I want you to preach the word without compromise all the days of your life. Secondly, he said, I want you to obey my voice. Obey my voice, meaning whenever you hear me, obey it. Boy, I'd love to tell you that I have done that successfully over 32 years, but can I tell you honestly, I have bombed at times. Can I tell you that preaching the word without compromise, I, there, there was a time and a season here 10 plus years ago when, when I had such this passion to obey the voice of God and yet the, the, the word that was coming out of me, it wasn't coming out in love, it was coming out harsh, it was coming out mean. I hated the works of darkness and Satan, but the, re, but the reality I didn't understand was I, was I was putting that on people instead of putting the love of God on them. And for that I say I'm sorry. And I'm thankful that you didn't abandon me when God was still refining me Amen. to be the man he's called me to be. 
a man that's compassionate, has empathy for those who are hurting, struggling, that he began to take me through things in my own life. And he said, I haven't forsaken you at 20 year anniversary. God wasn't done with us at, at 25. He wasn't complete at 30. We're not done at 32. What, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting started, but this I know. God has a plan. And he says, preach my word without compromise. Obey my voice. And thirdly, he said, pray and prophesy over the north, south, east, and west. How many of you came from the north? Let me see your hand. Just raise them up one more time real high. Came from the north. Put them down. How many of you came from the south? South Gainesville, South Electric County, South Ocala, Miami. God help them, Lord, down in Miami. <laughs> How about Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti? Man, we got them. From the east, some came from Russia. Some came from East Gainesville. Some came from East Alachua County, from Palatka. From the west, how many of you came from the west? God uprooted all the sea. We all came from somewhere. And God said, I'm going to make a place. And he said, I want you to pray, prophesy over the north, south, east, and west all the days. So here we are, 32 years into this, and we're still praying and preaching the word without compromise. We're still trying to be obedient in everything God says. And thirdly, we're praying every single week on Tuesday morning, 6.15, early morning prayer. Sunday mornings, 8.45, right in here before the first service. Corporate body comes together, and we're praying. We're prophesying. We're declaring. Why? Because God's not through with us. So I want to say a few things, and I'm going to keep you about 10 extra minutes because y'all are messing with me, and it took me a little while to really get started here. And it gives them time to finish making those chicken and waffles. Come on, somebody. The good news is the first service was packed. They ate to their heart's content, and then our, 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 our catering crew out there, they started all over again. They got fresh chicken, and they got fresh waffles. There ain't no stale stuff left over from first service. They ate it all. Kids were going back for thirds and fourths. I saw some women going, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, hear me, listen. A couple of things. Number one, it is God's will for our church to grow. Would you say amen to that? Amen. It's God's will for our church to grow. And I'm not talking about transfer growth. I'm not talking about people getting disgruntled and unhappy at First Baptist, First Methodist, the Catholic Church, and coming and finding us. No, they, I, I'm talking about us reaching lost people. Filling our house with people that we personally invited. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? How can they ever be saved unless they hear? How can they ever hear unless we're willing to get out of our comfort zone? Hear me, church, this morning, because I'm preaching to us today. How will they ever come if we don't invite them, if we don't make a place to say, you are welcome in our house? We're not perfect. We're being perfected. We got hangups, but we will love you. We will bless you. We will serve you. We will be family to you. We will be friends to you. We will help you in the course of life. We need each other. Secondly, growth in the body of Christ is essential as long as heaven and hell are realities. Would you say amen to that? As long as heaven and hell exist, and it does, it is essential for us to grow. It is essential for us to get out of our comfort zones. Look up here, look at me, look at me. I want to look in the whites of your eyes and tell you it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility. This week, the last couple of weeks, we've had some tough weeks and many of you saw an expression while ago during worship. Some of you didn't know what was going on, but that was our very own precious little Gabriella that came up on the stage this morning. 
First time she's been in church since she was diagnosed with leukemia about 10 weeks ago. Uh, she is in the middle uh, going through a battle for her life. And her dad and mom, Connie and TJ, they tell me constantly every single day, if it were not for this family of believers that have surrounded them, they would not have made it through the first week. And they not only made it, they made it in victory. They're walking in victory. They're walking in joy, surrounded by people. Last weekend was a tough weekend. Gabriella was in the hospital. She was going through a battle. You couldn't touch her. She was, she was having all kinds of attacks, having fever, first signs of a lot of stuff that we had been rejecting and standing against. Across the street was Mr. Bob going through a battle of his life. Honestly, to be, to be really honest with you, last Sunday right after church, I left here, went straight to the hospital, and I'm sitting up there with uh, Carice, and, and Bob's asleep, and we're, we're, we're waiting on a heart surgery to take place the next day, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at Bob, and in my mind, I started making preparations for his celebration service, because I didn't think that Bob would make it through. Not only did... God touched Gabrielle in, in such a significant way on Monday and Tuesday. She got out of the hospital rejoicing. The pain disappeared. Ama the doctor was amazed at what was going on. Bob goes through surgery and he comes out with flying colors and he gets out of the hospital on Friday and he goes home and he rips the oxygen off his nose. And Carice says he gets up and he starts marching around the house, getting free and, 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 and death was there. But he's saying, no, not yet. No, not yet. I still have something to do. Yes. Bob Carter wants to be back in this house. He wants to walk through these doors. God has a purpose, a plan. And so I'm down there. I'm in all these hospitals. And, and I was just having so many, in the midst of all the pain, I was having so many amazing divine appointments. I walked in the door this one day, and this precious man, he's in a wheelchair. He was black. He had no legs. Sitting there in his wheelchair, he's got his Vietnam hat on. And in the middle of his Vietnam hat... He had a cross and I just walked up to him and I went to speak to him. I got all choked up and I said, sir, thank you for serving our country. And he looked up and he said, son, did you serve? I said, yes, sir. He tips his hat to me and says, well, then thank you for serving our country. And I said, sir, I see the cross on your hat. Were, were you a chaplain in the army? He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I wear that cross on my hat to remind me every single day that I went to Vietnam with two good legs and the enemy tried to kill me, but my God was with me every day. And even though I left my legs in Vietnam, I have come home and lived a productive life. And he said, I just want to give God the honor and the glory. Come on, somebody. See, I, I, I was just trying to reach out and, 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 and say something nice, and all of a sudden, man, my heart's overflowing. I'm walking out of there. And just one after another, throughout the several, uh, about eight days, I was in the hospital every single day ministering to people. And every day, God was just touching me because I realized, you know what? Everybody out in the world, they don't have any fear anymore. They all push their stuff all down your throat, cram all their garbage down you and never feel bad about it uh, or repent. And, and, and I just decided, you know what? I ain't got bad news. I got good news. Why in the world I want to hide good news? Come on, somebody. Why? If it's so important for, for, for us to, to touch people's lives, why do we hide that from them and keep that from them because of our own fears, intimidations? And we think, well, it's just not my personality. God loves lost people. He loves lost people with all that is within him. 
We can make excuses or we can make progress as a church, but we can't make both. Do you hear me? We can make excuses or progress, but we, we, we can't have it both ways. So if we're going to do the will of God, if we're going to walk out what God has, then we're going to have to make a choice. I love this quote that I read by D.L. Moody. It said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something in life that really has no eternal value. Wow. We shouldn't be afraid of failure. We should be afraid of spending our lives doing something that has no eternal value. So hear me, please listen. God loves the lost people of Gainesville, Florida, Alachua County, all of Florida, and all of the world. And we're called to do our part to touch this world that we're living in. So I have this one last thing I'm gonna share it with you quickly. And it really comes about as fresh direction for our house in light of three things, in, in light of this. How we view people who are lost, how Father God views people that are lost, and how we should view people who are lost. Meaning, what is my first thought? What is God's thought? And what should my thoughts be for those who are lost? And this is the church I see. This is what I'm, this is what I'm believing for the Rock of Gainesville over this next year, three years. Matter of fact, how many of you this week got an email from me um, requesting your attendance at a vision setting meeting for missions uh, this week for September the 15th? Let me see your hand if you got an email. If you didn't get an email and you have a heart for missions, you pray about missions, you think about missions, you want to go on a missions trip one day. If you've ever been on a missions trip with me anywhere in the world you've thought about going but you never had the money if you have an ink if you can spell missions I'm basically saying I want you to come to this meeting we're going to provide child care but I'm going to share my vision as to what God is calling us to do and, and and in saying that I want to say I commend the Rock of Gainesville what we have done this summer what you have done this summer over 400 people involved in Reach Week for a whole week touching our community uh, uh, 75 people paying and going to uh, Peoria Peru and uh, all the money you gave in the offering to help two local ministries in town all the food that you provide we are still feeding hungry people out of the food that you brought uh, two months ago into this house. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. So this is a church that I see. This is what I'm believing, that we're going to do our part, listen to this carefully, to get lost people saved, to get saved people pastored, to get pastored people trained, and to get trained people mobilized. See, we got to have a heart for the lost. But not just to get them saved so we can mark them and feel good about ourselves as pastors. No. Salvation's not the end. It's the beginning of the greatest days of the history of your entire life. To do something for God. To do something besides just getting up and breathing and eating at McDonald's and dying. There's more life to live. There's more life to live. And I'm okay if you like McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> but don't, don't let that be the highlight of your day, of your life. Not when you have lost friends that are dying, hear me, and are going to go to hell. 
say, yeah, but they don't believe. But you know what? How will they ever believe if you don't first start showing the love of Jesus Christ by your actions, by doing good works in front of them on a daily basis? Some of y'all don't preach enough. Some of y'all preach too much. Some of y'all need to close the mouth and open the heart. Do good for people, help people, give thirsty people something to drink, hungry people, feed them. They don't need your judgment about why they need a helping hand. The other day, my wife and I were out for a ride. We have a little older sports car. And every once in a while, we love to just get out of the town and let the wind blow in our face. And so we, we were out in the country and pulled into this place because pastor 62 and had to go to the bathroom. So I'm always looking for a good, clean Walgreens. Come on, somebody. And I ran in, got something to drink, got some water. Had to use my credit card because I didn't have any cash. And I walked out and a little lady standing, her car is parked by my little sports car. And she, she's just standing there and she says, oh, that is just such a lovely car. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And she said, sir, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm peeling open one of my bars I'm about to eat. I'm hungry. I said, sweetheart, I, I don't have any cash, but I said, let me just see. And Suzanne came out and got in the car and I said, honey, you have any cash? And we're digging around. We found $3. Suzanne got out of the car and walked over with no judgment and just said, here, get something to eat. Matter of fact, across the street was McDonald's. Come on, somebody. You need a McDonald's? Prophesy McDonald's. There it was. I said, you know what, baby? You can get a whole meal for $3 across the street. Go for the eggs, the sausage, French toast. I mean, uh, uh, hash browns. What else comes with that? Big old biscuit, I think. I said, just get something to eat. See, some people just need to see our good works. So I want to close with this. Some of us just need to be refreshed. We need a fresh touch of God in our life. Every once in a while, I, I just, my computer ignorance just comes to the surface. No, 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 no more than like three times a week, okay? And I'm sitting at my desk and my computer freezes up. And I have long since quit wasting hours trying to figure out something that somebody smarter than me already knows. So I do a big yell, Melissa! I know I have an intercom, but she just loves when I yell at her across three offices. Yes, Pastor, what do you need? She, she runs in and, and uh, Melissa, I'm frozen, I'm stuck. I need help. And don't you love it? All you, come on, all you non-computer people like me, don't you just love it when they just, they're, they're trying to hide the smirky smile? As she says, Pastor, it's this button, refresh. And she pushes it. And then she walks out. I see the smile. Her, her back of her head's facing me, but I, I, I got it. I see. Sometimes I need a refresh. Hear me this morning. Some of you have been walking with the Lord a long time. You need a refresher. You, you, you need to push the button. And you need to say, God, I, I need fresh today. 
fresh anointing, fresh Holy Spirit. Some of you are sitting here today, some watching online today. You don't even know Jesus. You've never surrendered to Jesus in your life. Much of what I'm talking about this morning is really foreign to you because you, 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 you've seen church as this religious activity that you do on Sunday and then you live your life the way ever you want and then come back and do it again on Sunday. And it's so much more than that. It's a personal, real relationship with a living God who looked down on you in your sin and wickedness and said, I've already made way for you to be saved. My son's already died on the cross. His blood's already been shed for you. All you have to do, you see, Jesus died without shame and without embarrassment for you and you and you and you and me. He's done everything. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I receive you. Some of you in here, though, you've been walking with the Lord a long time, and, and you're stuck on a screen. You're stuck in your walk. You're stuck in your behavior. You're stuck playing church, and you need a refreshing. You need to allow Holy Spirit to do something in your life. Today, if you feel defeated, discouraged, disappointed, depressed, deflated, or despondent, Hear me, Holy Spirit is better than any refresh button on a computer. When we say, God, today, I need you. Jamie's gonna come and sing in just a moment. Before he does, hear me, Father God wants to refresh you today. He wants to, for some of you to restart you, for some to restore you, for, for others to rebuild you, for some to reconnect, for, for some to recharge your batteries, for some to revive you, but mostly he wants to redeem you. You're his. And so for a moment, I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and listen to this powerful song that I asked Jamie to sing this morning. Just a chorus as he sings through this. And it's, it's such a powerful declaration. Oh, come to the altar. That altar be in Christ Jesus. That altar be in the one who paid the price for your salvation, for your redemption. Listen to this. bowed and every eye closed. In just a moment, we're going to sing this one more time through, and I'm going to pray over those of us in our house that, man, you love God. I know you love God, but you know that God's calling you to more. You know that God wants to refresh you and restart you and revive you and refire you so that the latter days of your life will be greater than even the former days. 
But before that happens, there are some watching online today. There's some sitting in this room. Almost a half a dozen in the first service today came to that place where before we can be refired, we first of all got to be fired. We got to experience the fullness of God's love in our life. And we have to do what God cannot do for you. We have to do what Jesus cannot do for you. See, God gave his son and Jesus was willing to come and Jesus hung on the cross and Jesus died for you. The only thing that Jesus cannot do is he cannot respond on your behalf. Today, you're sitting here, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. This is not about becoming religious today. This is not about joining a religious club. This is simply about one thing, inviting Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life. With that said, if that's you this morning, be the honor of my life today to get to lead you in a very simple prayer to invite Jesus to be not only Lord of your life, but to be your Savior. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Believers are praying for you because every one of us have done this in our life. But this morning, for just this one moment, I'm asking you to do what God Almighty cannot do, what Jesus cannot do for you. Only you can. You can respond. Will you do that this morning with every head bowed, eyes closed, and believers are praying for you. I'm looking. If that's you today, would you just simply lift up your hand and let me lead you in a very simple prayer in just a moment in this place right now. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. This is your moment right now today when you're simply saying, Jesus, yes, dear, God bless you. Yes, dear, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. You can put it down once I've seen it. Thank you. This is your moment today. We're not asking you to join some religious club. I'm just inviting you to know Jesus. He died for you. He's already done it all for you. But he's waiting for you to respond. This is your moment. Will you today with these others just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, God bless you. Who else? Yes, God bless you, sir. I don't want to rush through this. This is the most powerful, could be the most powerful day of your entire life. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Anyone else want to join these? I'm going to invite you all to pray right where you're seated. Heads bowed, eyes closed just before Christ today. Pray this prayer out loud with me because the word says, if you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus declares you'll be on the path of salvation. Pray this with me. Father God, In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you, Father, for giving Jesus to come to die for me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you were willing to hang on that tree for my benefit. Today, Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I'm choosing you today, even as you first chose me. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing me to this place in this moment. Today, Father, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sins. I lay them at the foot of the altar. I'm choosing this day to serve you through your son, Jesus. 
all the days of my life. I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord an ovation of praise for these. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lamb of God. Join with us as we sing this body this morning. If you like me, maybe at that place where you just need the refreshing of Holy Spirit. You're stuck. You're stuck in your religion. You're stuck in a dry place. You're stuck in a, st- stuck in a difficult decision. Maybe you're stuck. You feel like you're stuck in a bad marriage. God wants to refresh you, touch you, restore you, revive you, refire you and redeem everything that the enemy has stolen from you. If that's you all across this congregation, join with me, lift up your hands, and let me pray over you. Father, today in this house, we're asking for a refreshing of your Holy Spirit fire in our lives, Lord. We love you. We are thankful for you. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for salvation. We're thankful for redemption. But Father, we're tired of being stuck. And today I'm asking you, to show yourself mighty, to refresh us with your Holy Spirit in fire, to restore in us a passion for the purposes of God in our lives for this generation and help us, Father, to live out the rest of the days of our life on this earth. For the audience of one, and Father, that is you, that our whole lives will be about being obedient to your voice so that we can see Lost people saved. Saved people pastored. Pastored people trained. And trained people mobilized to do the will of God. So thank you for that work. Thank you for your touch in our lives. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you be seated for just a moment? Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.